So if you're a guest or a visitor, warm welcome from me too. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm uh, one of the leaders here. We're starting a new teaching series today, which is going to be a longer one than usual. We're going to do a part one leading up to uh, the school half term when we have Catalyst Festival. Uh, and then the week after, uh, we have friends from West Africa who are going to be with us uh, for the morning. Something to really look forward to on June the 3rd. Um, and uh, then we're going to go into part two uh, later on. And the reason is because we're looking at uh, Luke's gospel. We haven't talked through a gospel for a long time and feel it would be good and appropriate and helpful uh, to go through uh, one of the gospels. And we're entitling this series, Jesus the Game Changer, Through His Life and Through His People. And um, the whole uh, thinking... Uh, behind even, even the title, Jesus changes everything. And when we're looking at that, one of the, the big questions is, I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought this, what would it be like if God in person turned up into our world now? What would it be like? I mean, in the world of Donald Trump, in the world of the uncertainty about North Korea, in the world of refugees, of the tragic London murders and knife crimes going on in our own country, along with domestic abuse and drug addiction, in the world of loneliness, in a world where missiles are being projected from one part of the world to another, and the threat of them is even greater than the reality right now, creating fear in nations. What would it be like if God turned up in person? What issues would he address? What would he teach? What behavior would he challenge? What, who would he befriend? What would he do? What difference would it make? What solutions would he come up with? Well, the good news is, he's done it already. And he doesn't need to do it again. But he did visit the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. The, he only needed to do it once because now... He has a body, his people, through whom he continues to visit the earth on an ongoing basis. And his intention is to visit every nation, and then he will come. And his, visit, his intention is that from every nation, tribe and tongue, every language group, that there will be a people who declare, like we have been doing, blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, who died and who rose again, who's seated on high in authority, and who's coming again to redeem this world from the sin and sickness and fallenness that it's in, and bring us to a new heaven and a new earth, in which we shall dwell forever. His purpose is being worked out. And his purpose is is actually focused on when he did come. You see, in Colossians, we read uh, of this, that um, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
So when we read through, as we're going to do, and I encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke in advance, you know, just do it in your own personal time sometime. But as you read through, and you read of what Jesus said and did and how he behaved, you are seeing, as you read through, the invisible, the image of the invisible God being revealed in human flesh. Wonderful. It, uh, Paul also says in Colossians that God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. When you read through the Gospel of Luke and see God in all his fullness is dwelling in Christ, who is the very Son of God, then actually uh, it starts to change your perspective as you read through that Gospel. For in Christ, Paul says, lives all the fullness of God in human body. Isn't that wonderful? And when Jesus came, he did change everything. Not just for those who he interacted with in person, but also through his death and resurrection, the lives of millions of people throughout history, including many of us today. And in the first verse of Luke's, Luke being the author of this gospel, second book that he wrote, which is in the Bible, the book of Acts, he actually says this, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach. With the implication that now, through his people, Jesus is continuing to do things. He is continuing to teach things. He is continuing to make a difference because Jesus is changing everything for all those who come to him and respond to him and believe in him. And about, um, as we look at uh, Luke's gospel account, it will unfold. Firstly, we'll be seeing what Jesus personally did and when he came, but also how Jesus trained and commissioned and empowered his followers to carry on the work of bringing God's kingdom that he began. And so therefore, our expectation as we're looking at this Jesus the game changer through his life and through his people, that it starts to affect and infiltrate us a little bit more. That we find ourselves more envisioned. That we find ourselves more equipped. That we find ourselves more motivated to say, Jesus, keep doing your work through me. And keep doing your work through each of us and keep doing your work through your church in the nations. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that we would be sharpened, we would be encouraged, we would be equipped and we would be helped as week after week we start looking at selected passages from the book of Luke uh, in order uh, to do that. And today it's my privilege just to start us off with Jesus' beginnings, the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. Now we're going to go straight into chapter 3 and 4. Uh, many of us are very familiar with the Christmas stories um, that Luke wonderfully uh, tells in Luke 1 and 2. But right now, we're going to go into the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what we find is in Luke 3, first three chapters, we find some background. Luke was a physician. He was, um, uh, uh, you know, he was a, a doctor uh, by uh, profession. And he is uh, an intelligent uh, and uh, studious, academic sort of guy who really wanted the detail. 
and you get a lot of the detail. And so in Luke 3, 1 to 3, uh, you find that he, he, he actually gives us the world as it was. I mean, if it was now, he'd be saying, well, the world where Donald Trump was president of the USA, Theresa May, uh, president, uh, prime minister of the UK, Justin Welby, uh, you know, the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, and Jesus came. But actually, it wasn't now, as we know. It was then, and then it was now the 15th year in the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Actually, Tiberius, the Roman emperor, he was a very good Roman general uh, when he wasn't emperor. When he became emperor, he, he became emperor a little bit reluctantly, but had to because that's the way uh, it worked. And he was quite reclusive. He was a reclusive leader. He was dark. He was somber. He was unpredictable, not unlike some of the leaders that we have in our world today. And it carries on. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Ituria uh, uh, and another place which is hard to pronounce. <laughs> I did practice this, but it doesn't work, does it? Lysanias was ruler over another place hard to pronounce. And Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. You see, Jesus came in real time to a real earth where there were real conflicts, there were real pressures in society where people were hurting, where people needed healing, where people needed deliverance, where people weren't all getting on well with each other, where there was little revolutionary insurrections going on from place to place, murders were taking place. I mean, it wasn't that different to the world that we now live in because the world is a dark place without the light of Christ. But the gospel says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It was Jesus who came. And it's still a world in which God wills that the people who walk in darkness see the light of Christ in and through his people. And then we find this, that at this time, a message from, John, uh, from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness and then John went from place to place on both sides of the River Jordan, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned, and turned to God to be forgiven. And this sets the, the ministry of Jesus right in context. And it was one of those things in which we, we, we then see Jesus turning up because Everyone, it says in verse 15, was expecting the Messiah to come soon. That was primarily because of John the Baptist's ministry. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, what we're going to do today is just look at three main features to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which as followers of Jesus, we too are to experience. The first one is baptism. Jesus turned up at the River Jordan. And this is what happened. Chapter 331. One day, 
When the crowds were being baptized, it's by John, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. So Jesus, he got this wonderful image and picture in reality of heaven opening. When Jesus is baptized right under the water in the River Jordan, back up again, and he starts to pray. And as he prays, heaven opens. Do you know sometimes believers today experience when they're praying and interceding, heaven opening? And a real sense of the presence of God. Do you know when sometimes people are going through the darkest of times, but they cry out to God for help, like we were doing on behalf of some of you this morning through going through bereavement, that heaven opens and his peace comes and his strength comes? Do you know when people say, Jesus, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I'm so hungry and thirsty for you. Do you know what happens? Heaven opens and he comes. And it's one of those moments unique in history when the Trinity is revealed who always has existed and always will. God, one person, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of them at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus the Son coming out of the water and starting to pray. God the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, coming upon Jesus powerfully. Witnessing to John, who'd been forewarned, the one on whom you see this happen, he is the Messiah. And then the Father, as heaven opened, saying, this is my Son, who I love, and in whom I'm well pleased. It's just a wonderful picture, isn't it? God has visited the earth. He's, he's been here. He's done it. And he continues to work through his people. This is the message of the gospel. And it's a world just like ours today. But it happened to have been then. And praise God it was then. Because for the last 2,000 years, he has been saving people and bringing them into his kingdom. And he continues to do so today. Now, what we then see are some interesting things. You think, well, why did Jesus get baptized? I mean, John's saying, get baptized for the repentance of your sin and to show that you've, you know, you've repented and you turned to God and you're asking God for forgiveness. But Jesus, was the, he didn't sin. So if anyone never needed to get baptized, it was Jesus. Wasn't it? You know, I mean, why? Well, here are a few reasons. I'm sure there are plenty more. But why did Jesus get... Well, first of all, it endorsed John's ministry and message. You see, John's ministry was to point to Jesus to prepare the way for him, which he did faithfully and well. But he then said also, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. It was the beginning of the handing over of the baton of the purposes of God from John to Jesus. It was the beginning of the confirmation that Jesus was the Messiah and he, full of the Spirit, was ready to do the Father's bidding and to fulfill the Father's purpose. 
It was endorsing John's ministry and his message that the Messiah was coming soon. And it was time to do business with God because the kingdom of God is very near. Also, it identified with the people both then and now. Now just imagine for a minute, Jesus, it says here, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, in England, we're used to queues. I've been in Asia enough to know that queues rarely exist. And I don't know how the crowds jostled for position to get baptized by John, but somehow they did it, and Jesus one day was in that same crowd. Probably no one realized who he was, not until he got baptized by John and John realized who he was. He didn't have a halo over his head. He didn't shine brightly with light. He didn't cause everybody to pull back at that moment. Jesus came in human form, fully God, fully man. And here he was in the crowds. And he took his turn and he got baptized by John. He identified with you and with me in getting baptized. Not that he needed forgiveness, nor that he needed repentance, but he is saying, I am one of you. Thirdly, it authenticated Jesus as being the Son of God, and I think I've elaborated that well enough, with the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And fourthly, it was an act of obedience. Now, it doesn't record this in Luke, but in Matthew, there was a little reluctance on the part of John about baptizing Jesus. He said, what, me baptize you? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus replied and said, we must carry out all that God requires. And God required this, even for Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that all believers in Christ should be baptized. Not only did baptism take place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but it should also take place at or near the beginning of every Christian's life. So why should all believers be baptized? Well, I'll just give you three reasons. Firstly, it identifies us with Jesus Christ, with his death and his resurrection. It identifies us, say, the whole of my life now is centered around the fact that Jesus died for me and rose again from the dead. And I've died with him and now I live a new life for him. And not, this is the water and this is the person, by the way. <laughs> All right, that's how I often do it. <laughs> um, but, but also, that when Jesus died, he also rose again from the dead. There is a day when I will die physically, but I shall go to be with him. And when he returns, I shall have a new body. He was the first to be raised, but the first of millions who've given their life to Christ. And we too, as Paul declares so eloquently in so many parts of the New Testament, shall be raised and given new bodies and will be with him forever. We're identifying with that when we get baptized. Another thing we're doing is just like John was calling them to do, it shows that we've repented of our sins and turned to God to be forgiven. You see, it's like this. It's my sins have been forgiven, buried, and now I'm living a new life. The power of sin has been broken, and it's identifying with that. 
And a third thing we're doing when we get baptized, it's a step of obedience identifying us as followers of Jesus. You see, you cannot read the New Testament without seeing, particularly in the narrative of Acts and so forth, of seeing you know, the message, what should we do to be saved? Believe and be baptized. It comes again and again and again, Acts 2 onwards. You'll see the phrase. And if you're honest with God, as you read through the scriptures as a Christian, you cannot avoid the important step of obedience in being baptized. It's a part of your beginnings as a Christian and a part of following in his steps. Now, I found God uh, just say to me that, that they're, they're, there are some here who have not been baptized. I know there are some who have not been baptized, but this is a particular thing. Who have left it so long that it's almost embarrassing now because you, most people will assume you have been baptized and you've been a Christian quite a long time and it's sort of like, well, you know, it's almost embarrassing. If anybody had an excuse for embarrassment, it might have been Jesus getting baptized. You know, me getting baptized? People will think I'm repenting of my sin. <laughs> you know, they don't know who I am. And yet he did it because of, out of obedience to the Father. And can I just say, bury the embarrassment and get baptized. On the 15th of July because we've got one on the 15th of July. It's just been decided over the last few days. Uh, there'll be more information about that. We'd be delighted to baptize you. If you've just become a Christian and you have not get, yet got baptized, then you've got an opportunity. Be baptized. Come and tell me or a group leader or email. Uh, I think we've got a detail there. Shanoo, is that on? Oh, it is on there. The lights are sort of dazzling my vision today. Um, and uh, so in that regard, if you're sitting in the fence, if you've been around church for a long time now, and you've sort of still not fully aligned yourself with what Jesus did for you through his death and resurrection, then it was Jesus' beginning. Let it be yours too. Jump off the fence now. Jump off your fence with Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, this is for me as well. You may not have even given your life to Christ yet. You can do it this morning, and then you can follow him. First steps, get baptized. Baptism for believers is not an option. It's a step of obedience to Christ. Regardless of church tradition, if it happened to you as a baby, you were not baptized. Your parents, out of good intention, brought you to God and I honor that. But it talks in the Bible about believers' baptism. And we get baptized out of belief in Christ for ourselves personally. And then we get baptized. Now, let's move on. Because the second thing that we see at the beginning of Jesus' ministry is temptation. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit... Four, verse one, return from the river Jordan. He was led by the spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at that time and became very hungry. Now, you can read through the story of the temptation for yourselves, but what I really want to say is this, that in the wilderness... Jesus had a genuine struggle 
against the possibility of falling into selfishness and sin, just like we do. And the temptation, each one of them, was to detract him from the very will of God for him and the purpose of God in and through him to redeem the world. It was to sideline him and to ruin God's purpose of salvation. And when we get tempted, the bottom line is this. It might be be tempted to look at something that we shouldn't look at or to say something we shouldn't say or not do something that we should do. But in the end, temptation bottom line is the enemy's attempt and sin's attempt to detract us from being those disciples, those followers of Jesus that are really earnest about doing the will of God and pleasing him and being effective for him and being on the cutting edge, if you like, of his purposes. That's what temptation's really about. We think, oh, it's just a trivial thing. Actually, it's to distract and detract and to disempower and to undermine. Don't let the enemy do it. You see, we got the example of Jesus here who resisted temptation. And Hebrews puts it really well, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. So then, since we have so great a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. That's what Jesus did. He held firmly in the wilderness to what he believed. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What can we learn from Jesus' temptations? Well, Jesus was, had firmly held firmly to what he believed. And we're encouraged to do, the, to do the same. He understands our weaknesses because he's been tested just like we. And there's grace from Jesus to help us when we need it most. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with getting detracted, or if you're tempted to be right now as a Christian in your comfort zone, rather than on the cutting edge of God's purposes. Or if you find that you're tempted just to be settled with not having the same love for Christ that you once had, those are temptations. Then it's time to say, Jesus, I want to do business with you again. In the worship, God reminded me of just before I went to teach a training college. And I wrote to the youth leader... And I said, Jesus is coming soon. I was passionate, Firebrand. I'm, not gonna, I'm thinking of not going to college and not doing any training, living by faith, knocking on doors, and just telling as many people as I can about Jesus. I actually wrote this in a letter. Uh, and uh, Because Jesus is coming soon. It's not going to cost me anything. He's coming soon. I want more and more people to know him so that they can be with him too. And a very wise youth leader man who's gone to be with Jesus called David Ling replied to me and said, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And I think 
you'd be wise to do what you're saying you want to do in the college environment and get trained as a teacher. I never regret that. And I did it. I met Catherine. Lots of people got saved. The Holy Spirit came and we saw many baptized with the Spirit. And a number of the cohort of students in the four years that we were there have been leaders in Christian ministry uh, for the last few decades and very effective in their sphere of influence. God did a real work. And we saw a church or two in the southwest 19 area of London actually really were helped to come alive at a time when God was moving by his Spirit. You see, in the end... What God was reminding me is don't lose that passion. And do you know what he's saying to me right now, Tim Green? Don't lose it now. Because I'm in danger. I could get comfortable. You know, I'm getting older, get more tired, all these kinds of things. Done my bit, now it's over to somebody else. And God is challenging me about not losing it. He was doing it in the worship. I was there and I was like, okay, I'd forgotten that story for a long time. But this is really important. Which takes me to the third point about Jesus' ministry in the beginnings. He was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we really see what Jesus is called, was called to do, he was called, you see, it says he, he went to the synagogue. Um, and I, I'm missing out a bit here, Shanuf, just for sake of time. Um, and he read from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he rolled up the scroll and sat down and said, Today this word has been fulfilled in your hearing. And at the beginning of, uh, of the ministry of Jesus, he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He declared that the purpose of this, in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, was to bring good news to the poor, and to see miracles happen, and to see lives transformed. He truly is the game changer. And if Jesus needed this, and Jesus has called us to the same ministry, then how much more do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You might have just thought Jesus could have got away without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Son of God. And yet we read in Acts, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and went around doing good. Healing those oppressed of the devil. And we've been called to do the same. And what can we learn from Jesus being full of the Spirit? Well, we see how his being full of the Holy Spirit was to bring blessing to others. God's kingdom blessing. And that should be our motivation too. You see, often people decline the offer to be filled with the Spirit. They think, well, okay, you're offering joy, you're offering peace, maybe a few goosebumps on the back of my neck. Maybe a few shakes and things like that. Well, maybe. Maybe any blessings God wants to give you, because he loves you, he'll do But do you know the primary purpose? Is to make a difference in the lives of others. So that not only can Jesus be the game changer, but his people are game changers too. That people in Bedford look around, they say, well, something's happening in this town. God must be around. 
because he is present by his spirit powerfully in his people who are called to discipleship, who are on the front edge of taking the kingdom of God and are actually seeing demons cast out, healings take place. We'll be doing that next week. Martin will be leading us in that one. Who will see people's lives changing and leaving everything in order to follow Jesus. We'll be doing that the week after next with Richard talking about leaving everything. Who will be seeing the word of God coming alive. Dave Devonish will be doing that. Seeing acts of mercy. Moen is going to be doing that in four weeks time that this is where the series is going to equip us even more to be the kingdom people that God has called us to be let's stand and let's pray forgive me for a few more minutes we've just gone past quarter past that the children don't get collected to a half past and crash pre-arrangement are, are, uh, uh, not today's pre-arrangement but on a regular basis are happy just to hold it but should we just pray that God does some things <laughs> over these few weeks with us it's not just today but it's, it, it's, it's for us as a church for this whole term as we look at the pages of Luke and let the word of God be living and active and do some things in our lives that's what we're believing for that's what I'm longing for to see again I believe God would, would do that for us Thank you, Lord. If you've done TSL over the last, this is another thing God was just saying to me in the worship. If you've just done, done TSL uh, last two years um, and, uh, or TSM prior to that at King's Arms, um, could you just raise your hands before the Lord? God, for all of those, we need the fire that they went on TSL to receive. Thank you that it wasn't called TSY, training for a supernatural year, but it was TSL, training for a supernatural life. Or if it was at King's Arms, it wasn't TSM, training for a supernatural moment, but it was training for a supernatural ministry. Lord, we pray that the work and the life of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would be fire in the bellies and the spirits of those that have already received that training in Jesus' name. Can the rest of us lift our hands before the Lord if you feel to do so? And Lord, may we also, as a whole people, know something fresh of the gospel message of Luke over these weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. May we know something of the power of God because Jesus, you're the game changer, but you've also called your people to be game changers in a dark and desperate world. And we pray that there will be those in this town who as yet, who are not Christians who on the 15th of July actually go through the waters of baptism because you're firing us up again. You're firing us up with this good news of the kingdom in the workplaces. I want to put our hands down for a minute. If you're in business or in education or in health, uh, in terms of your work, could you just raise your hands before the Lord? And in Jesus' name, I just pray for those in business, education, and in health that, Lord, you would mightily fire up by the power of the Spirit, those who are just indicating so right now. And may we know a new unction from God, an unction from heaven in our workplaces, we ask in Jesus' name. We just pray for it, Lord, that you would work in these weeks amongst us in a very unique and special way. Lord, be the game changer for us as well. Because if we're honest, we need it. And we pray for it with all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.
Well, praise God. Let's give him a shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Game changer. Through your life and through your people. Well, if you need prayer, and you may well do, we have prayer team, and we will add as many prayer team as needed. Uh, we'll just keep organizing it. Uh, if you just want some prayer on the back of anything that uh, uh, you've been stirred with this morning, please come. You, and if you want a baptism, you've got the message. Baptism with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, you've got the message. Let's be like Christ. We're his body. Bless you. Tea and coffee. Uh, uh, children. Have a great week, all those things. God bless you.